If you've been feeling overwhelmed with anxiety lately, try listening to a guided meditation on the Meditation for Anxiety podcast. Meditation is a proven natural way to help you calm down and dissolve stress so you can feel lighter and happier. So subscribe for free today to the Meditation for Anxiety podcast by searching for Meditation for Anxiety on your favorite podcast player. For the best way to fall asleep with Nightfalls, you can now become a premium supporter. Enjoy the entire back catalogue of Nightfalls classics, all with a rich, immersive and totally ad-free experience. If you love falling asleep to Nightfalls, Nightfalls Premium will elevate your sleep while helping to support myself and the team. We love creating Nightfalls, but without supporters, it wouldn't be possible. Join Nightfalls Premium today in just two taps on both Apple Podcasts or via the Supercast link found in the show notes for all other podcast players. Your sleep will thank you for it, and so will I. I'm Jeffrey. Welcome back to Nightfalls. Come, settle in for tonight's soothing bedtime story. As always, don't worry if you fall asleep before the end. You can drift off whenever you're ready. Come, get settled by the fireside as tonight's tale transports you to the quaint English village of Honeythorpe. When a mysterious scandal interrupts the annual village bake-off, it proves that the joy really is in taking part, and a win is always best when shared out like sponge cake. Tonight's tale has me wondering who might emerge as a victor in Nightfall's own bake-off. Before we begin, here's a quick word from our valued sponsors who make this free content possible. In the village of Honeythorpe, there was one day of the year that all the locals looked forward to more than any other. For the past eight years, on the first Saturday in May, the village of Honeythorpe hosted a bake-off Anybody in the community could compete in the bake-off, and the premise was simple. People baked their own sweet dishes from scratch and entered them into a friendly competition to see whose dish was the best. The village bake-off had started off as a small affair, but now it evolved into a popular, elaborate annual event that attracted tourists from far and wide. There was never a more colourful day than the day of the village bake-off. Every member of the community chipped in in their own way to help decorate the village in the most beautiful extravagance. Bright pink, yellow and blue bunting hung from tree to tree and post to post, 
with the houses all sporting bunting along their garden walls and the gutters of their roofs. The whole village got in the spirit. After all, this was a very special event that brought a lot of hype and notoriety to their quiet little village every year. Some people hung pretty springtime floral wreaths on their cottage front doors and tended their gardens to ensure they were blooming with stunning flowers each spring. Nobody wanted to have the least attractive house in the village when all the tourists descended on Honeythorpe. Everyone who lived there was intensely proud of their pretty little village, and even more so of their own homes. With the ever-growing popularity of the annual village event, visitors from far and wide had begun attending the event. Each year, it seemed as though more and more people were coming along, and with it, the village had to step up the offering of the event. The village bake-off had started with humble beginnings. Originally, the event consisted of just a couple of pop-up plastic tables with classic cakes brought along for the locals to taste and enjoy. Nowadays, there were many, many tables full of extravagant entries, there were official judges, a scoring system, a podium and prizes for the winner and runner-up, and many extra offerings within the village. This year, the local farmer had set up a petting zoo for children to enjoy. There were food trucks and ice cream vans. The local pub beer garden was overflowing with merry drinkers, and there was even a small car boot sale set up to the side of the village green. Musicians played live music, and the village was buzzing with atmosphere, fun, and excitement. The village green had many delicately dressed tables and stalls laid out, covered over with large marquees to protect the table's contents from the potentially changing weather. England was notorious for being bright and sunny one minute, then rainy and blustery the next, especially in the springtime. The villagers couldn't risk any rain putting a dampener on their bake-off plans. Someone from almost every household got involved in the bake-off each year. Some people took part for the thrill of simply being part of a community event. Some sat back and just enjoyed admiring and savouring the creative concoctions of others. And some, altogether took it very seriously. Some villagers, such as Maggie Marshall at Number 7 Queen's Court, looked forward to the bake-off as if it were the pinnacle of their year. Maggie would spend the whole year preparing for the next bake-off, 
testing out new recipes and ingredients, practicing and perfecting her icing skills, and thrusting her weekly baked goods upon any visitors to her house in the hopes of gaining feedback. Needless to say, Maggie Marshall took the annual village bake-off very seriously. But she wasn't the only one. There were many people in the village who longed to win the prized first-place rosette at the annual event. Not only would the winner of the bake-off claim the title of Best Village Baker and a welcoming £100 gift voucher for the fanciest cafe in the neighbouring town, but they also would gain infamy amongst the community. Everybody knew about and looked forward to the annual event, and so, as you can imagine, whoever won the event became locally famous. They would be the talk of every dinner party, admired and envied by their neighbours, and could boast and take great pride in their baking skills. Each year, the Bake Off committee would come up with a theme for the year's event to keep all the competitors on their toes. This year, the theme was Around the World. As soon as the theme was announced, there was much hype amongst the community. It was a great theme that would lend to lots of exotic flavours and plenty of opportunities for creativity to stand out from the competition. Charlie Williams was in charge of setting out all the different entries on the judging tables. Charlie had an eye for detail and had a way of laying out all the dishes in such a way that every dish was equally showcased and equally as eye-catching. Of course, some of the overly keen competitors would try to bribe Charlie to place their creations at the front of the table. But Charlie could never be swayed. If a dish wasn't in the right place for his table aesthetics, then it didn't have a place at the front of the table. Not that table position mattered anyway. Every dish was numbered and laid out fairly, and at the end of the day, the judges would take everything into account, not just the dish's position on the table. The judges made their decisions based on three main categories. Taste, appearance, and creativity. Each dish was rated out of 10 on each of the three categories, and then scores would be combined at the end, ready to announce the winning creation to the public. There were always four judges for the event. This year, the judging panel comprised of Marcus Brown, the mayor of the village council, Francis Payne, the vicar at the village parish, Raquel Robinson, the landlord at the village pub, The Wild Swan, and Cushy Catry, a semi-famous actress who lived in the village. Together, they were a critical but fair judging team. 
As the four judges patrolled the tables of entries, carrying their clipboards and pens close to their chest, they made noises of intrigue and admiration as they surveyed the creations at first glance. Entrance had raised the bar this year, and everything looked spectacular. What had once started off as a simple, quaint local bake-off in days gone by had quickly evolved into a showcase of top-class baking, fit for the queen herself. This year, it had seemed that the -the around-the-world theme had gone down a storm. Everyone had clearly enjoyed thinking outside the box for this year's bake-off. Maggie Marshall had put together a leaning tower of Pisa-inspired cake. She had piled up eight cake sponges of assorted flavours, one on top of the other, to recreate the Italian monument. The eight sponges were a not-so-subtle nod to the eight years that the village bake-off had been running for. Each sponge was stuck together with a different flavoured cream filling that complemented the connecting sponges. It was a feast for the eyes, towering high above all the other entries, and would no doubt taste delightful. Maggie Marshall was clearly keen to claim the top prize this year. Sarah McCormack had made a chocolate Guinness cake in the shape of a pint glass with a silky smooth cream cheese frosting, acting as the foamy head on a perfectly poured pint Derek Dingle's entry was an array of alternating miniature brownies and blondies forming the bricks that towered together to create the shape of the ancient Egyptian pyramids. Dusting of biscuit crumbs on the base tray created the illusion of the sands of the Egyptian desert. Sandy Stansfield had designed an entry that demonstrated her creativity and showcased her many different decorating talents. She had created a chocolate, ginger and honeycomb, three-tiered cake with the scene of the Amazon rainforest covering the tops and sides, all made out of an assortment of edible treats. Tall tree trunks were made out of beige and brown macaroons, and delicate green branches and tropical leaves were concocted out of sugar paper. Tiny colourful cupcakes, carved into the shapes of beautiful exotic flowers, popped up out of leafy beds of green edible wafers. The Amazon River ran through the middle of the elaborate cake topping, made out of blue and white frosting, shaped into perfect, lifelike waves. A smoothly rolled bright green icing wrapped around the cake, forming the rainforest ground and disguising the delicious sponge filling beneath. Hiding between makeshift plants, peeping out of flower bushes and sitting atop of the odd macaroon tree were tiny edible animals and birds 
Every marzipan creature had clearly been handcrafted with love and care. The spectacular baked scene wafted its sweet, enticing scents into the air, luring every passerby to lean closer in to inhale its delectable allure. Sandy Stansfield had outdone herself yet again. The rule with the village bake-off was that if you won the event one year, you were unable to enter it the following year. This was to keep the competition fair and eliminate the chances of the same person winning the event every single year. Sandy Stansfield had won the bake-off two years previously, so she had sat out of the competition last time. Now. She was back with a bang, and clearly hoping to win the bake-off once more and claim back her title. Sandy was well known for her delicious baking skills and her impressive artistry and attention to detail in all she did. If anyone had a good chance of winning the competition this year, Sandy was certainly a shoo-in much to the disdain of other competitors. Why doesn't she just leave the bake-off alone? Maggie Marshall whispered to Sarah McCormack, following Sandy Stansfield across the way with her eyes. She has already won before. Why does she feel the need to win again? Maybe she's got nothing better to do, Sarah McCormack muttered under her breath in return. The two ladies folded their arms and chortled unpleasantly as they watched Sandy Stansfield across the village green. Sandy was blissfully unaware of her jealous rivals as she chatted with Derek Dingle and his wife, sipping a glass of fresh orange juice. Naturally, there was plenty of rivalry amongst the competitors at the village bake-off, and with that came plenty of envy. However, nobody's jealousy or resentment had ever posed a problem before. At least, that was until this year. Charlie Williams returned from the bathroom to the judging tables left under his care, only to be shocked by what he returned to. His beautifully laid table and the spectacular dishes that he had carefully put on display had been ruined. One dish in particular had been vandalized beyond repair. Sandy Stansfield's cake had been sabotaged. Her carefully crafted rainforest cake had been plowed down flat. The once flowing frosting Amazon River was now splattered and smattered all over the table. The little marzipan animals were torn into pieces, and some of them had completely disappeared altogether. This was a disaster. Charlie had left his guard for only five minutes, but in that time, chaos had ensued. Who could have done such a thing? As if on cue, the four judges, Marcus Brown, Francis Payne, 
Raquel Robinson and Cushy Cantry arrived at Charlie's table to assess the next handful of entries. Laying her eyes upon the mess in front of her, Raquel Robinson gasped audibly. What on earth? She cried, her eyes wide with surprise. Charlie crumbled and protested his innocence. It had nothing to do with me. I left the table for just five minutes, and when I returned, the table was like this. Somebody has completely destroyed Sandy Stansfield's submission. The four judges all shook their heads in despair and lamented how unfortunate it was. Sandy Stansfield was well known for her wonderful baking skills, and now they would never have the chance to taste her entry for this year's competition. Word spread fast around the village green, and it wasn't long before everyone had word of the disaster. Sandy Stansfield rushed over to the table where her dish had previously stood proud. There was barely anything left except for smashed up pieces of cake and the debris of marzipan characters. Why would someone do this? She despaired while Derek Dingle's wife wrapped her arm around Sandy's shoulders to comfort her. Just like soft butter, rumours quickly began to spread. Everyone had their theory on who had sabotaged Sandy Stansfield's bake-off entry. There were plenty of people in the village keen to win this year's competition, and a myriad of competitors envious of her previous win and her sure win of an entry this year. Sandy Stansfield was clear competition for all other competitors, and with her out of the picture, anyone could win now. I bet it was Brian Romero that ruined Sandy's cake, one gossiping local whispered to another. I saw him hanging around by the cake not long before the cake was destroyed. I bet he did it. Across the village green, another villager muttered to their friend. There were lots of people who wanted to see Sandy Stansfield fail. Nobody likes a try-hard. I reckon it was Sarah McCormick that wrecked the cake. She's always been jealous of Sandy. Iris Crimple was insistent that Maggie Marshall was the culprit but Maggie protested her innocence. I don't need to sabotage someone else's dish in order to win, Maggie insisted defiantly. I know that my entry is better than Sandy Stansfield's ever was. Everyone had their theories and were quick to point their finger at others, but nobody knew for sure what had happened. While everyone else was busy discussing conspiracies, and the judges were distracted assessing the remaining entries in the bake-off, Charlie Williams was on a mission to find out who had committed the crime. Charlie had been a keen attendee of the village bake-off since he was a young teenager, and now at 18, this was his first year being entrusted to the protection of the bake-off entries. He was so disappointed that on his first year on the job, somebody had managed to sneak past him and wreak such havoc. Whoever it was, they wouldn't get away with it. Not on his watch. Charlie 
scouted the crowds of people looking for anyone who looked suspicious. There were plenty of people that could have committed the crime. In a small elite village like Honeythorpe, there was plenty of rivalry amongst neighbours, and Charlie knew many of the community to be very competitive with one another. But he would never have thought anyone would be so sly. He looked back down upon his sad table of entries. All the cakes were now missing a few slices since the judges had passed by, tasting all of the submissions and writing down their scores. All the cakes had had their chance to shine, all except Sandy Stanfield's rainforest cake. Charlie began to scoop up the discarded crumbs and started to sweep the crushed remains into a bin bag. He noticed a marzipan monkey lying on the floor at his feet. He bent down to pick it up and noticed a trail of marzipan parts across the ground. He tiptoed along, collecting the marzipan pieces off the grass, like Hansel and Gretel pick up the pebbles in the old fairy tale. The trail of marzipan animal pieces stopped right in front of the draping white cloth of another table. With anticipation, Charlie lifted the soft white hanging cloth and peered underneath the table. To his disbelief, he laid his eyes upon a black cat with a white belly and a splurge of grey fur across its eye. The cat was relaxing on the grass beneath the table, playing with a small ball. Upon closer inspection, Charlie noticed that the small ball was the marzipan head of the little lion that had, until recently, sat in the center of the top tier of Sandy Stansfield's rainforest cake. Charlie began to laugh with relief. Nobody had been bitter enough to sabotage poor Sandy Stansfield's bake-off entry. It had all been the handiwork of a mischievous black-and-white cat. Charlie reached out from the table and scooped up the fluffy feline in his arms. It burrowed itself into his chest, nuzzling in cosily, and he cradled the kitty in his arms gently. You have caused quite the commotion, he said to the furry creature, brushing the remains of cake and the icing off its paws. Charlie quickly found Sandy Stansfield amongst the crowd and told her what he had found. She sighed with relief and stroked the black and white cat affectionately. She had no hard feelings towards the animal and was relieved that nobody in her community had purposefully sabotaged her entry into the bake-off. These accidents could easily happen and she couldn't blame the playful pet for wanting to play with all of the tiny characters she had placed on the top of her cake. The news quickly spread around the village green, and people laughed together over the simplicity of the accident that had caused so much chaos at their peaceful village bake-off. After a while, the villagers stepped up to the microphone in front of the winner's podium, and the live music quietened down 
It is time to announce the winner of this year's Bake Off, Marcus Brown announced, his voice booming into the microphone. The crowds grew silent, and everyone waited with eager anticipation. Judge Cushy Catry stepped up to the microphone holding a blue rosette with a silver circle in the middle. All the entries this year were of such a high standard that it made our decision very difficult. But this year's Bake Off runner-up is... Derek Dingle. The crowd erupted into applause and Derek Dingle leapt up and punched the air, delighted in his achievement. His Egyptian pyramid of baked goods had gone down a storm with the judges. He walked up to claim his rosette for a second place and returned to his wife in the audience, grinning from ear to ear. Next, Judge Francis Payne stepped up to the microphone, holding the yellow first-place rosette in his hand, and Regal Robinson stood by his side, holding the £100 gift voucher prize in her hand. Now, the moment you have all been waiting for, he began to announce, the winner of this year's Honeythorpe Bake Off is... The crowd was so silent, you could hear a pin drop. Maggie Marshall with her delectable leaning tower of cake. Maggie Marshall jumped with delight and the whole crowd cheered. A tear sprung to her eye as she made her way to the winner's podium to collect her rosette and her prize. She had been preparing for this year and had wanted to win for so long. Finally, her hard work had paid off. As the crowd applauded her victory and Maggie looked out into the crowd of her peers, she caught sight of Sandy Stansfield. Sandy was smiling and politely clapping for Maggie, but she still appeared to be saddened. It must have been a tough day for Sandy to have seen her hard work be ruined at the last minute. Maggie stepped down off the podium and walked up to the judge's microphone. She cleared her throat and began to speak. Thank you so much. This means the world to me and I'm so glad that you enjoyed my cake that I worked incredibly hard over. But there is someone else here today that worked very hard over their cake, only for it never to be appreciated. So I would like to invite Sandy Stansfield to share this win with me. The crowd gasped and Sandy Stansfield covered her mouth in surprise her eyes wide with disbelief. Maggie Marshall continued, I've no doubt that your cake would have given me a run for my money, Sandy, so I would like to invite you to share my prize. I think you deserve it just as much as I do. The crowd erupted into applause and people began to cheer. Sandy Stansfield began to weep tears of happiness. She smiled at Maggie across the crowd and mouthed a big thank you to her for her kindness. Maggie had finally got what she wanted and won the bake-off. 
but it was much sweeter to win, knowing that she had won it fair and square, and helped a friend feel better along the way. Needless to say, nobody forgot that year of the annual Honeythorpe Bake Off. Even in a small, quiet village, everyone loves a good old-fashioned scandal every once in a while. 